Section 18 of Open the Door. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Open the Door by Catherine Carswell. Book 2, Chapter 4, Part 1. 1. Exactly four weeks later, at much the same hour of the day, although the spring being further advanced, the sky had not yet begun to make its preparations for sunset. Anyone walking across the summit of Garnet Hill would have noticed a man who waited at the street's highest point. Further, anyone of the smallest experience would have known that this man waited there for a woman. In his thick, buttoned-up, dark gray overcoat, he stood in the middle of the roadway, disdaining criticism and both pavements and now and then with a movement half nervous and half defiant he adjusted his soft light gray hat to an even jauntier angle he wore gloves and carried a stick his very outline against the sky was suggestive of gallantry since his return to glasgow lewis pender and joanna had met frequently they had met at panmure crescent she had come with Mildred to see the Carmonach studio where he was now living. The plumbers had brought her to the city chambers to look at the scaffolding and other preparations for his work there. But each of these meetings had been in the company of others. Not since the night of the dance had the two spoken alone together for more than a few scanty seconds and not till the day before this may afternoon had lewis found an opportunity to suggest the kind of meeting for which he was now waiting it had been in obedience to circumstance the merest tentative suggestion of an appointment on his part and without ratification on hers so as he stood there on the hill he was agitated by a pleasant boyish nervousness experience however bade him hope as also did his shrewd reading of joanna's character he had lost no time in learning her story from mildred and judged rightly that she had reckless blood but would she come it was not in pender's nature to be fatuous in these matters and he held in spite of a fair share of conquests a really low estimate of his own attractiveness when six o'clock struck and there was no sign of the young woman for whose appearance he owned to a surprising hunger. He mildly cursed himself for a middle-aged fool. Another quarter of an hour he would wait, he decided, and no longer. And with the superstitious notion that his too eager looking might foil its own end, he turned his back on the direction from which the nymph might most reasonably be expected to come. At least thought he then being forty-seven and having survived many excitements and disappointments he might enjoy the extraordinary mounting beauty of the evening about him perhaps after all it was only in cities of the north that one got such a voluptuous contrast and harmony as now presented itself to his gaze above the stony clear austerity of the town curved the sky it curved holding its fill of light, ebullient, like a bubble of serenest blue, and forming that bubble's tumultuous outer rim were the piled-up yellow 
flamboyant clouds whose huge tops seemed on a level with pender's admiring eyes a month ago he would not have believed it possible to find himself so charmed in this dismal hole of a place called glasgow but neither would he a month ago have credited himself with any interest in a woman so strong as he now felt it had surprised him during his stay in london that joanna's image had persisted perhaps it had still more surprised him on his return to find no waning in her appeal it was odd he mused that he should run across this girl just when he fancied himself done with amorous interludes odd too that she should be so different in type from the women he had gone after hitherto he had always admired short-featured women with square jaws and strongly marked cheekbones women who carried their own shadows about with them and here was one who was at the mercy of every variation of light he was not even sure that he admired her she certainly troubled him but anyhow confound her she wasn't coming it was a quarter past six he was tired of studying the buoyant outlines of those yellow clouds he would wait only five minutes more a woman came punctually to a first appointment or not at all and while lewis waited there a stone's throw from the bannerman's house joanna had been looking despairingly for him at the far end of the hill low down and out of sight some hundred yards away it was her nature to think that she must always be the one who had the more trouble to take the longer way to travel so she stayed there a full ten minutes before it struck her that he might possibly have meant the corner nearest her home the corner of dunbar street he had said ambiguously now she became certain that he had been at the other corner all the while and that she would find him gone she ran all the way up the long hill she had no hope but there he was there on the topmost joint of the grey stone ridge he was standing with his back to her still as a stone man against the sky only the ends of his loose tweed coat flapped a little in the air the instant she saw him joanna stopped running she must recover her breath so she went on at a walking pace and it was an astonishment to her that she was still able to advance to place one foot regularly before another on the granite sets of the hill for the sight of him there waiting with such patience for her so long after the time appointed had a violent effect upon her knees then before she had walked a dozen more steps towards him lewis turned his head and saw her and the next moment they had met they looked into each other's eyes with a first swift searching as their hands clasped firmly you have come he said i had almost given you up while she explained her mistake and he blamed himself neither listening to the other's words they turned towards the now setting sun and with the strong glow of it full in their faces began to walk downhill until the first breathlessness of their meeting had subsided they could only make superficial conversation lewis pointed out to his companion that with the sun so low now in the sky all the color in the world lay behind them to the east and he had to make her turn round several times before he could convince her but really while they argued with vehement lightness 
each was groping under every tone and movement and all the flurry of sensual excitement for the truth of the other the region through which they were now walking was for joanna full of childish memories which in a curious way added to her excitement they had passed the dark synagogue with its dome the salvation army shelter which had once been a little farmhouse and stood in its blackened garden and the smart new cancer hospital built of garish red stone and on the other side ran fine dismal old family dwellings with porticos and high square-panned windows which now sheltered obscure mantle-makers cheap teachers of elocution and theatrical landladies it was one of these houses which had been old horatio bannerman's manse in the early days but lewis looked about him with a little shudder of distaste how very depressing all this is he said when joanna could not help championing it he looked at her with a warm amused smile which faded however when she asked him rather timidly about his own childhood i can't remember he replied emptily it's queer how little i can remember i don't think it particularly interested me being a child that joanna could not understand i remember everything everything she told him wondering well for one thing you aren't so far from your childhood as i am lewis replied speaking in a certain light tone which gave his companion a peculiar sense of unhappiness that makes a difference you know wait till you are my age no no i'll remember till i'm dead it was almost as if she warded off a blow not the disagreeable things surely or were you always happy as a child he asked looking at her he was not interested in their talk nor in what she was about to say but he liked to see her face thus serious she looked now he thought like an early gothic madonna rather faultily carved perhaps but with inspiration no i wasn't joanna looked at him in return but i like to remember even the unhappy things they seem part of it all part of me i couldn't bear to forget it would be like losing bits of myself oh come that's morbid i consider i prefer to be like the sundial and reckon none but sunny hours or whatever the exact words may be anything unhappy or dull or painful i make haste to forget i assure you it is an excellent habit joanna shook her head all that he had said was hurtful full of death to her but it was impossible for her to explain either to him or to herself why it was so i'm not like that was all she could say she spoke however with a stoutness that was pleasing to him he was curiously moved by this woman's egoism grateful for her absurd seriousness then we are different you and i he said gently and he smiled full at her charming her suddenly winning her with what she felt to be a rare tenderness but he went on in a different voice and with a light in his eyes that was purely predatory i'll tell you something i shall never forget to my dying day and that is the first moment i set eyes on you that evening at the lovats joanna in bliss remained silent neither shall i forget lewis resumed seeing you dance the reel up at the school these you see are the kind of things i remember and want to remember 
Do you know what I was doing up on the hill there while I was waiting for you? No. Try to guess. Perhaps remembering other times you had waited for a woman, she said. Lewis laughed with enjoyment. No, Mrs. Clever. And I wasn't. I was trying to draw the lines of your face from memory against the sky as if it were a canvas. Again, Joanna had nothing to say. If you don't like me to tell you such things, Sonora Rasponi, he continued, mind you tell me to stop. He had got her to look at him again, and again she spoke with that stoutness of hers that so pleased and tickled him. I like it, she said. Lewis was really amused by her refreshed and at the same time he could not quite make her out when they had got to the bottom of the steep hill and were walking on the level still westwards he began to talk to her about his work i ought to be ashamed of myself he spoke with impatience almost disgust at being so pleased over this two penny halfpenny commission why by this time of day people ought to be begging and praying me all over the place to paint their walls but they don't you know and here am i as bucked as if i were a pavement artist at being rather reluctantly asked to add my daub to the other daubs in that ghastly chocolate-colored building you glasgow people are so proud of you'll admit i hope that it is a beastly pile it is ugly i suppose joanna conceded yet she remembered the rich and splendid vision it had been to her as a child when her father had taken her all to receptions up its alabaster staircase i've no doubt however added her companion that it will be uglier still when i have contributed my own particular piece of ugliness to it his self-aspersion was wounding as an insult why did he give her ground to stand upon and then take it back from under her feet had he himself no foothold he seemed continually to lead her along a sure path only to leave her with a flippant gesture at the edge of a precipice i am no longer pleased with my drawing for the panel he went on restlessly the lunette is well enough but the panel i now see is rubbish or nearly so i am altering it the committee will have to like the change or lump it i thought it so lovely said joanna very nice of you but unhappily your kind thoughts, my child, don't affect the design, said Lewis. No, the thing isn't good and it has got to be altered or not done at all. But for God's sake, let us talk of something else. Tell me, he asked, pointing to a new, still unoccupied block of flats they were now passing. Why do you build so much up here with that red stone? I don't like it do you? It always stays so raw looking, on a wet day almost bleeding. But let's have a look at the inside of this, shall we? See the doors are not on yet. Come, do let us. Eager as a child, Lewis led the way across a bridge of planks left by the workmen at the entrance. The building was finished, all but the fittings, and now awaited the glazers and paper hangers joanna followed him up the stairs which were littered with shavings and rubble his swift transitions of mood affected her painfully but she became calmer as they mounted from floor to floor and examined the rooms of the various dwellings to be i think we'll make this the drawing-room or do you think the nursery my dear 
Lewis asked her, play acting. Joanna, being no actress, could not respond in the same vein, but she stood laughing at him, happy again, and watching him with a curious maternal tenderness as she listened to his easy flow of nonsense. Suddenly he broke off and came nearer to her. By God, I wish it were all true, he said very seriously. You look so lovely in this light standing there smiling at me with your eyes shining. I wish I could live with you. Would you like to live with me? Say you would, just to please me. Joanna remained quite still. You must not say such things to me. Why not? For one thing, there's your wife. There's my wife, yes. Shall I tell you about her? Joanna's eyes widened as he stared into them defiantly, and her heart leapt. She had felt from the first that Pender's wife did not essentially matter. Now she was sure of it. If you like, she said, and waited. Well, I think you may understand. Anyhow, this is how things are, he said. I married when I was twenty-three. Alice was a little older, not much. The boys were born the first year. They are twins, you know, and their mother pretty nearly died with them. When she got better, she couldn't bear me to come near her. That kind of physical terror is common enough, as perhaps you know, but at the same time it was a fearful blow to me. We went on, of course, thinking it would pass, even in time thinking it had passed, but it hadn't and somehow the bottom was knocked out of things. I can't quite explain, but it was. Perhaps we were wrong from the start. To do my wife justice, she recognized it as well as I did, and set to work to make the best of it in her own way, just as I did in mine. Only our ways were different. You can guess perhaps what happened. Even under good conditions, I won't say I should have made a faithful husband. As it was, you'll admit I had at least an excuse. You'll say I should have left her. At one time I was very near to it, but I didn't, and I can't honestly say I've regretted it. You must remember she wanted me, needed me, she said, in the other ways. Then there were always the boys. Somehow I shouldn't like to go back on them. Or shall we say I haven't yet found anything that seemed to make it worthwhile doing so? So you see, during this recital Joanna had withdrawn her eyes from his, but she could feel his bold, nervous stare while she looked past him and out at the street through the unglazed windows. The lamps were being lighted one by one in the dusk. She did not to the full realize the disbelief in himself which was the essential thread running through this man's confession. She merely felt sad for him and for herself. Do you blame me? he asked, longing for her reproach. Yes, I mean, no. How can I blame you? Neither at this moment had Joanna any belief. She and he were under the same spell of helplessness, as if drugged. Well, then, doesn't your wife mind? she asked, knowing it an idle question. She can't have it both ways, can she? Come, after all, and I've got to be considered, too. Was it Mrs. Tulis you nearly went away with? Yes, it was. I'm glad you didn't. So am I. By heaven, I'm glad. It was almost dark as Lewis and Joanna walked in silence up the long semicircular slope to the park. By unspoken consent, they had taken the longer way to avoid passing Panmure Crescent, and soon they were crossing a wide, deserted circus of houses. 
making for the highest gates of all walk a little in front of me said lewis falling behind how i like to watch you move he told her from there as he followed her slowly through the gates i walk behind and worship i should love above all things to see you walking so but quite naked in the summer dusk just so between these iron gates he spoke with such simplicity that joanna could only rejoice in his frank worship he gave glamour into her keeping gladly would she have walked naked for his delight in the soft darkness presently when they reached the great treble flight of grey granite steps leading down into the park joanna sat on the stone balustrade and lewis stood beside her with one foot on the low escarpment he took off his hat welcoming the little breeze that stirred up to them from the river there was no moon and beyond the lighted lamps on the terrace the sky showed richly blue in front the faint regular lines of the wide stairway descended into a blue haze behind was the sweeping curve of pavement and railing flanked by tall houses with fretted roofs suddenly lewis bent closer to joanna kissing her without a word on the point of her shoulder and to her dismay she broke down utterly in consternation then he sat by her side to comfort her i'm sorry oh i'm sorry my child if i've offended or hurt you truly i am but what was i to do you mustn't cry so no no really you mustn't what have i done now do stop upon my soul if you don't cheer up i shall be crying myself directly you know you take things altogether too seriously don't let us be too serious tell me now am i to apologize or what i'll do anything you say is this your way of showing virtuous indignation come tell me you know it isn't said joanna wiping her eyes but unable to help smiling at him as he bent forward what then i don't know i suppose i love you lewis quite taken aback did not speak at once then gazing up at her sideways he gave her one of his wonderful affectionate looks i'm afraid joanna that you are a fearful goose he said using her christian name for the first time i'm afraid i am lewis as they looked into each other's eyes she wished he would take her never mind this light is very becoming to you my dear said lewis holding back he did not know why in fact you look perfectly lovely to me at this moment and see these steps and that stony terrace curving away back so finely you might go anywhere i tell you italy greece anywhere you like i don't care you could find nothing more beautiful and at this moment you seem to me the most beautiful woman in the world so why be sad do let us ah uh, do let us be happy i so want to be light-hearted but he did not kiss her again that night not even at parting two from that day however they met constantly nor did they ever part without arranging a further meeting both were quite careless of outside comment they were absorbed in the unending debate and conflict between them soon they became lovers in all but the final abandonment and this was never out of their thoughts joanna was not happy neither was she unhappy she was again undergoing a change a divestment of which the meaning could not become clear for her until the process was completed 
swaddled from before birth in religious emotionalism in romance and spiritual exaltation it was natural that she should cling to these suffocating wrappings should cling that is with the conscious mental part of her so that as far as she was conscious she was false it had to be so she had virtue on the other hand in the unconscious but actual acceptance of the changes that were her fate and the proof that her virtue was stronger than her falseness lay in the fact that no man she attracted could act falsely toward her punish them she might but she drew the truth from them thus though it seemed monstrous to her at times that all the weight of the decision should lie as it did upon her that lewis should only talk and wait and walk unburdened still she knew it must be so just because it was she that chose to regard their love as something final she must be the one to decide meanwhile lewis took what he could of her fitfully he continued to woo her with the touches and kisses without which she would now have found existence barren but there were days when he made as if he would put her away from him with words of warning and farewell again he would declare himself as fundamentally light-minded telling her with radiant amusement of his earlier affairs urging her to throw aside the foolish gravity of her nature and upbringing and with him to regard love as the most charming and recreative of pastimes not for any length of time could joanna retain this view but it had a strong appeal for her the more that it discovered clearly in her the longing to compete on their own ground with the unknown fascinating women of whom lewis told her once she had held all such women to be inconsiderable but she had seen them afresh through her lover's eyes she must match her powers against theirs must commit herself to the test instead of scorning it to prove her greater worth if it existed she still believed she could outdo them in weaving a spell for lewis and passionately she coveted his acknowledgment of this in every mood serious or light she felt sure that she could keep his respect unhappiness she expected but never the unhappiness of his scorn and like her aunt purdy she could summon an elation for pure disaster so everything pushed her towards lewis everything that is within herself but in him there was that which long kept her from yielding it was something immovable in him against which she hurled herself without understanding always she waited for some change in him that never came but he remained staunch to himself and so in the long run to her surely there are two things she said to him one day there's love and there's the other thing lewis turned his head to look at her and smiled as if valuing her earnestness even while he laughed at it it was a sunday and she had brought luncheon in a basket to the deserted city chambers where the canvas begun in pender's studio had been temporarily put in its destined place here he insisted upon continuing the painting there after the manner of the italian fresco painters it is to hang here he declared not on the line at the royal academy or in mrs lovat's drawing-room and it is here that it must look well if it looks well anywhere so after a gay picnic in his little workroom hidden away on the top floor 
they had climbed out upon the sunshiny leads to talk to my mind he replied there is no essential difference between the two or perhaps it is simply that i'm only capable of what you so tactfully call the other thing anyhow i won't deceive you about myself i want you frightfully as i think you must know by this time and i want you in a way that it seems to me just now mind that's all i say in a way that it certainly seems to me just now i have never wanted any woman before the queer thing is i feel quite unworthy of you my dear pretty child actually you look pretty this afternoon neither beautiful nor plain but pretty it seems far far too good to be true that you should for a single moment want me as i now want you yet for all that i don't suppose i'm offering you what you with your notions would call love mind i believe if i were free in spite of all experience and caution i would be asking you to marry me i know you see that's the worst of it that you are too good for anything else you know that too joanna you know i respect you like anything and always shall yet upon my soul i'm not prepared as things are at present to bolt with you to america or wherever it is people go who give up all for love as they say not that you would fly with me i dare say if i asked you don't think i'm taking things fatuously for granted i'm not but there you know what i mean my dear heart you mean you are too worldly-minded said joanna with pain and contempt in her voice perhaps call it what you like it may be that i am not a good enough artist or it may be that my nature is peculiar anyhow to do my work i need a certain kind of stimulus which i can only get in conventional society heaven knows i've no illusions about it and as often as not it bores me to the point of nausea but i always come back to the knowledge that i need it in the silence that followed this speech a distant church bell began to toll and a clock nearer at hand gave out the hour mercy it will be dark in no time cried lewis starting up i must get back to work will you come up on the scaffolding with me i want you to see the lunette from there too you know he said boyishly on the way downstairs i always want to hear what you think that's the strange truth joanna dear there are times I feel I could work the ends off my fingers for you. As she climbed after him up the ladder and stood by him on the narrow, frail platform listening to his vehement exposition, Joanna tasted happiness, if only for the moment. He was pleased with his work, and this endeared him to her without wounding her. As he set to painting, he whistled gaily under his breath, and in two minutes he had completely forgotten her but never had she felt closer to him than then she could have stayed forever it seemed to her unnoticed and joyful by his side indeed it was some time before turning quickly for a brush he saw her happy face hardly pausing he realized her then and smiled and kissed her he was speedy and warm joanna adored him get some tea and call me in half an hour he bade her the light won't last longer she was swift to obey him 
and as she brewed tea for them both upstairs in the little studio all pleasantly littered with traces of him her bliss was so acute that she felt her elements must dissolve and fly apart so long as louis believed in himself she was content even to the toy and refreshment of one who knew himself a creator of beauty was enough but one day later on when she tried to tell something of this to him louis protested don't be a fool he exclaimed you are talking bosh you know it's bosh there was nothing unpleasing to joanna in his roughness especially as she could detect the pleasure concealed beneath it and she remained unmoved she was sitting to him that morning in his carmanach cottage for the third time but he was dissatisfied so far with all his sketches of her it is the truth louis she retorted gravely now look here my child he said in his gravest tone and laying his pencil aside you are working yourself up about me and you mustn't do it i don't mean that you don't believe every word you say at the moment i believe i understand you through and through in some ways allowing for different circumstances we are not so very unlike you and i we are the kind of people for whom there does not seem much provision made in a modern world in greece i suppose we should have had our festivals and run about the hills in a leopard skin apiece which would have been enormously becoming to you i've no doubt though i shudder to think of my own figure in the costume if you could only see your eyes joanna when i'm kissing you with you love is simple intoxication but an intoxication absolutely necessary to your well-being and why not one of the things i like in you is that you are frank about it at heart but don't take yourself too seriously listen to the wisdom of middle age and you will spare yourself much pain what will happen is that one of these days you will find yourself wondering what you can have been thinking about look at me i ask you to look at me joanna what is there in me for a woman like you to care about no i assure you that much of your feeling for me is quite transitory more is the pity for me but you will not be able to say i haven't warned you no reproaches my dear i beg of you when the time comes you mean you are afraid you will get tired of me asked joanna painfully and as louis made no answer only smiling at her strangely she went on you have got tired of so many women oh come he exclaimed grimacing a little i'm not the rake you make out one thing is certain i have not tired of so many as have tired of me but seriously now i am talking quite seriously there have not been more than five or six women whom you could say had counted at all in my whole life don't you call that a very modest record remember i shall soon be fifty i consider my allowance has been small very small indeed five into fifty he wound up frivolously why it only comes out at one every ten years tell me louis persisted joanna do you think you would get tired of me how can i tell perhaps yes perhaps who knows if i were twenty i should say certainly not swear it by all my gods but i am forty-seven what am i to say but the truth perhaps it is possible i can't answer for myself that's all 
my dear i want to be straight with you from the start i feel that is your due there was a silence joanna felt hopeless exasperated puzzled it was not so he had spoken the day before when he had courted her with boyish ardor and though she knew him equally sincere in both moods it was the mood of disbelief that most deeply impressed her there was something light and hard to-day under his mocking tenderness like the claws concealed within the pads of the cat but an idea came that expanded her shrinking heart with a brave rush of joy and the words proceeded out of her mouth live things independent of her volition i'll tell you what louis you will never get tired of me one of these days you will fall in love with me and you'll never be able to stop the bold statement sent a delirious shiver of terror through her but she sat looking calmly at louis without a smile a shade of fear flashed through the inquisitive fascinated eyes he turned on her meeting her glance full but i'm in love with you as it is he muttered it was true that he had never been more subjugated than at that moment had never felt so strongly the curious moral spell she had for him but she shook her head smiling now as he became grave now she was no longer the wounded mouse in the cat's keeping she had towered in one moment above her persecutor demanding and obtaining worship i say you will she repeated i am not afraid that settles it then said louis and after a moment he added i must say you seem to know all about it instead of answering joanna rose and moved towards the window near which he was sitting louis followed her with his eyes there were certainly times when she was full of magic for him and this was one of them i wonder if it will rain before i get home she was saying as she looked out at the gathering blackness of cloud against which the trees now almost in full leaf were intense mounting flames of green that's right louis retorted with forced lightness let's talk about the weather i'll forget that i'm madly in love with you it's an excellent idea or politics politics is always safe what do you think will there be a general election soon but tell me first have you fallen in love with anyone since we said good-bye last night you seem to me one way and another to meet a fair number of young men there's that young fellow with the dark devoted eyes urquhart he would make you a good husband now why don't you take him i'm sure you have only to mention it to him at the unlooked for mention of urquhart's name joanna turned her head in curiosity why should louis like mildred lovat insist that lawrence was in love with her and her brothers too after lawrence's unremarkable call at colessie street two months before since when she had not met him they had teased her about him but she herself was by no means certain he was too persistently friendly and lately during his absence on the continent with nilson her unsought friendship with him had taken on a new and more permanent aspect out of the joy of his heart lawrence had written to her from holland from switzerland from italy and she had found herself rather to her own surprise responding with unaffected warmth and freedom how well she could sympathize with the raptures of that first escape from the walls and the sounds and sights of home do you think joanna asked louis 
still looking questioningly at him do you think that was he by the steps the other night i neither know my dear child nor do i care replied louis but as this is the third time you have asked me that same question i take it that you do care no joanna protested that she didn't care either it was only that she was curious to know what had happened was this while joanna had stood waiting in the late afternoon near the granite steps of the park where louis was to join her she had noticed at some distance a figure very like lawrence urquhart's also apparently waiting and she had felt that her doings were watched then louis had come and the figure had disappeared could it have been lawrence he was certainly due to be back in glasgow but she had not heard of his return i'll tell you what it is continued louis you are a bad dangerous woman a devourer of men joanna that's what you are with all your talk about love and the other thing forsooth and your delicate madonna-ish airs you simply want us all to be mad for you that's the long and the short of it now isn't it but he had quite forgotten lawrence now and as his tongue tripped on between his smiling lips irresponsibly louis with all his mind and body was really only waiting for the moment when joanna would have to pass him again on her way from the window when that moment came he clasped her waist and joanna responded throwing her arms gladly round his neck we are just a pair of innocent babes you and i he declared infants that's what we are you can take it from me but the whole wretched world is a conspiracy to call us guilty that's all that's wrong i should like to defy the world i feel able said joanna with elation as you please my noble goose but i cannot join you i know the old monster too well it's no use we should only get smashed no there's only one way permitted to us and you know it and speaking for myself i think it absurd that we should not take it shall we not take it ah don't be weak and let's take it but i want to be strong i don't mind paying said joanna no be weak please be weak he urged she made no further protest but lost herself in his embrace which was more passionate than ever before end of section eighteen